Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Waveform. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez Brownlee. And I'm Andrew Manganelli. So on this week's episode, we're going to be talking the process. We're pulling back the curtain and sort of shedding some light on the production side of the MKBHD channel and sort of giving, I guess we've sort of structured this as like a guided tour of like yeah. how something goes from an idea to a video on the channel and everything mm -hmm. in between. Um, this is sort of like the original reason we made this podcast yeah, so we can talk about stuff like this. Also, fun fact, I'll just toss this in here. We were actually nominated for a Shorty Award in 2020 for this podcast specifically yeah. in the podcast section. But we're also up against, we'll leave a link in the show notes in case you want to vote for us. It is open voting. But we're up against uh, Conan O'Brien, Bill Simmons, Gabby Dunn, Emma Chamberlain, a bunch of other super talented people. Uh, so if you feel that's like voting. Pretty exciting, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's super exciting, but obviously that's, that's a, a pretty tall, pretty stacked category. It's but. a stacked category, but in tech and innovation. So as much as it's stacked, I feel like we make a little more sense. Yeah, that's that. an interesting, I don't know exactly how they define the I category, that but that much, yeah. I think for podcaster, that's pretty sweet to be recognized. Yeah. So there it is. Uh, we always start though with a little recap of the past, uh, well, it's been a week since the last episode. Yeah. So we can go back a week and there have been two videos, the desk setup tour 2020 mm -hmm. and the AirPod, why everyone seems to be copying them explainer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and these are two fun ones. I mean, the desk setup tour, people sort of, we made a, a habit of doing this around the beginning of every year of what's on my tech or something like that. And this is the last setup tour in this space before we move studios. Yeah, we're so really close. I'm, I'm excited to actually, I guess, put together a video of the whole moving studios process. Yeah, I guess in the setup though, isn't gonna be that much different because it's still gonna be your desk setup. So it's True. like you've personalized it for so long that it's just going to be a new space soon. Exactly. But. And that might be cool. But yeah, I'm basically going to be lifting up most of this stuff and uh -huh. moving it down there. Um, but that was fun. You can check that out. And there's also the explainer. That was also a, a pretty quick idea video where it was like, I, I there's 17 different wireless earbuds in the studio. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about them all, but I don't know how to make one video yeah. that shows all of this stuff. And eventually it, it wound up on just like explaining their existence. Yeah, it kind of also sparked because a, a like clone so we talk about in it, there are clones of like different big companies making truly wireless because of AirPods. And then there's also just the like straight rip off oh, like, yeah. AirPod clones. And the somebody shameless. sent us a pair. And we, the first thing we thought when we got it was like, hey, they don't look that bad. But uh, all the reviews we see about them, people are wondering where their shipment is. So it's not like, a great sign. Yeah. We kind of also saw all those weird knockoffs and how shady those might be. So. Yeah. So that's all encompassed in this one high look vi like video, yeah, which pretty, I think is fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's out. Those are the last two videos. Here's what I'll say. I'll leave you with this. January is walking, so February can run. Hmm. <laughs> there's, I just checking the calendar, there's three secret video shoots in a row. Yeah. And all those things will come out in February and then slowly start ramping real quick. It's funny because we talked about how like, once we hit the new year, it usually slows down, but you've traveled every week this month and we're traveling for the next two weeks. So yeah, it's a lot. It's but going that's to be like, a little more busy than we expected. Yeah, there's always a lull after CES, but we're hopping right back into it. Yeah. So I'll say February will run and we'll we'll have some great stuff coming up. But until then, a little quiet with the videos, but that's fine. We got an episode of Waveform. I also have some content I liked. Cool. We always do this as sort of a throwback too. Uh, and it's actually two videos, mm -hmm. both by Peter McKinnon, yeah. Is that cheating? I can. It's, I feel like it's I can, not cheating. Yeah. I can do that. Uh, and they are. He's actually going through a really similar process. We've been texting back and forth about. He's moving studios too, and okay. so he's been like building up this new space, uh, also in Canada, but also then moving everything from one space to the other. Mm -hmm. That's what the first video is about. Okay. And then the second video is he gets in that new space and he starts talking 
and there was just an immense amount of echo. Yeah. And Flashbacks. so it's his, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I had those those experiences as well. So if when you're in a big empty box and you're trying to do better sound, his second video goes through a bunch of different soundproofing tips. Okay. Even if you don't fully furnish this room, you can do some things with sound blankets and specifically pointing the mic and things around it in a certain Into way the, to minimize the, yeah. the bounce. So I mean, we just literally were shooting today and I looked down at the floor at the bass traps and was like, we're moving soon. We need to order like three times as many of these. Oh, that's, they're, the bass traps might be the most underrated thing yeah. about soundproofing. I mean, you know to put stuff on the wall because uh -huh. that's it bounces back and forth between the walls in a big empty rectangle. Mm -hmm. But the corners are where sound waves amplify and they sort of spread more than they would yeah. if they were just going back and forth. So anyway, not to get into the weeds, but check out those videos and uh, those are some processes we'll probably be yeah, going through I, too. I think I'm going to watch those just to get informed for the next month of us moving. <laughs> they are worth it. All right, so diving into kind of our main topic today, I, I think I kind of sparked my interest uh, the other week when you, you tweeted something that said, did something yesterday that I never do. I left the studio in the middle of an edit, went outside, went home, ate dinner, went to sleep. Coming back to the studio this morning with fresh eyes is gonna make the video better in so many ways. New year, new me, new video today. All <laughs> right, hype. so yeah. When I saw this tweet, I didn't think much about it because I think like a week before you'd we were just sitting here uh, planning the week out and you said to me like one of my resolutions this year is i want to not just blow out an entire edit in one sitting like i want to mm -hmm. take a step back come back the next morning and give it a shot so i guess i kind of knew about this right but then all the replies when you tweeted this you have, there were a lot of replies and people were very surprised that you don't take breaks when it comes yeah. to editing so i i thought let's take a whole episode let's tell people yeah. what we do here, how yeah. we do it. I can give a little background on that tweet yeah. just because like, yeah, we had a, I forgot exactly which video this was, but I think it was one that we had, I think it was one that we had a little bit of animation in, but the point was, yeah, every time I sit down to edit a video, I edit from cover to cover yeah. and I don't stop until it's done and mm -hmm. then I edit and then I upload it. Yeah. So it's typically like when we upload videos at like 11 PM, mm -hmm. it's because that's when I finished. Yeah. That's when I finished making the video. So, uh, a couple of times I've done this, and it's never really been comfortable, but I've finished editing a video, then gone home, and then come back the next morning and then had like sort of fresh eyes to look at this mm -hmm. edit again and maybe, oh, you know what, I'll tweak a few things. Let me add a couple things. Or this, the graphics here could be a little better. Oh, let me add some, you know, like I go through Yeah, or just like a, a frame here or there that you missed that looks awkward and yeah. like, because you were staring at it for six hours. You exactly. Just, you, you'll never notice that. Yeah, and it, it was always weird and uncomfortable to me because I always feel like as soon as a video's done, it's old. Like I, yeah. I wanna get it uploaded because next. two days later, if I wait a day or two to upload it, it's gonna feel like, man, this thing's been done forever. Everyone's mm -hmm. seen it already, even though it's not even true. Like yeah. in my brain, I'm like, this is, this is over. Um, but yeah, coming back the next day, I, have, I left halfway through an edit and finished the second half with like way more energy and mm -hmm. way more fun. So yeah, that's gonna be something that I think we do a bit more this year. But yes, we can dive into the process itself uh, because it all starts with an idea yeah. for a video. Yeah, I, th I think people don't realize we're not a channel that uh, like has a backlog of videos that, that we do in oh, advance. And like, we're a very like, this is the video we're working on and nothing else really happens until that video is done and we move to the next. So maybe it's not the most ideal way of doing it, but you've been doing it for 10 years now and it seems to be working pretty I'm, well. I'm so jealous of all my friends who are like, yeah, I've shot, you know, I sat down on Monday and I made three videos and mm -hmm. I'll upload them on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Oh my, I yeah, would the, die for that. I'm going That's, on vacation, but we've got like five in the bank and yeah, we can just post them when I'm gone. It is nothing like that here. So yeah. it's literally, yeah, when it, when a project is underway, like we are full steam ahead on that, every all hands on deck for that project until it's done, then it's done. And we, we like come up for air a little bit. We get to listen to the feedback. We see the comments. Mm -hmm. We're proud of the video. And then it's the next one. Yeah, so yeah, there's it. there's definitely no backlog. I wish there was, but yeah. Um, so we we generally start like every week. I try to, just because there's multiple people involved, you mm -hmm. can't just keep everything in your head. I try to put the plan down for the week at the beginning of every week. Yeah. Then we have, you know, maybe two videos that we're definitely gonna do this week, maybe a third if we have the time. And then we just get started one at a time as we go into it. And, the, and really all of this starts with the script and this is another question I think a lot of people might have about the videos, like how scripted or planned are they? 
And I will say the most scripted part of it is all the information mm -hmm. and the information density and what I'm actually trying to communicate. And the least scripted part of it is the shots themselves. Yeah, that, They just sort of fall into place. Unless there's something super specific you wanna do, like that's usually never written on the script. So when Marquez is like pretty far through the script, he usually sends it out to all of us. So we all read it, get a, get a chance to know like what we should be looking for when we're all shooting then. So usually it's a day where just you and I are in when you're writing. Mm -hmm. Then the next day, Vin and Brandon come in, and that's when we go into like full blown shoot mode. We turn to a production studio. Yeah. So, but by that point, all of us have read the script. There aren't really any shot lists or anything in there. You might have a couple ideas, and yeah. everyone might have an idea or two from reading the script, but just the words are pretty much scripted out. Yeah, and I think that's also a part of why a lot of the the video comes to life in the edit. Is because yeah. it's not so structurally scripted that it's like, all right, I'm gonna start with the intro shot, then I'm gonna say, hey, what's up, guys? Mm -hmm. Then it's gonna be a shot of the outside of the phone, then it's gonna be a shot of the back and the front. Like, it's not that planned at all. It's more of like, all right, here are the things I wanna say. I either write every sentence out or I have some bullets and the specs and it's all written down. And then we go out and we shoot and we aim to cover everything that's being talked about yeah. in whatever creative way makes sense. And we'll probably talk about like the, the crazy in-depth shots uh -huh. in a little bit later, but then we we basically make sure the script is covered. And once everything is covered, then we can import and bring it in. And if there's any little missing holes here and there, we can shoot those later. But essentially then it goes from shooting mode to production. So from pre-production mm -hmm. to production. So yeah, it's mainly just a, a matter of getting everything written. Yeah, so pretty much pre-production is just Marquez does the majority of the writing, gets a couple ideas from all of us, and then it's just the fun. I mean, the part that all of us enjoy the most yeah, is the shooting, shooting the video. Yeah. If I were to guess what most people are probably curious about is how long does it take to review something? Or how long does it take to make a video? Or yeah, to I guess make that let's, script? Let's do like a quick TLDR of how long a start to finish one does. So you guys can all picture what, like we say shoot day, it's yeah. usually just a day. Right, so there are different types of videos too. Yeah. So there's the explainer videos that have a certain flow to them. There's the reviews that we're mm -hmm. super engaged with. Those have their own flow. There's the autofocus videos, yeah, those totally are, different, you know? Different. Uh, the interviews, everything has a sort of a different flow to it. Um, I'd say if we're gonna go typical video, we might as well just talk about like a review. Yeah. That'll be, we get the device. Let's say it's a smartphone review. Let's go, let's go, it's just a the new Galaxy S, 20, no, that's okay. too recent. I'll go with an imaginary phone. Okay. <laughs> Let's, the Doogee MX to, yeah, I have free to go, folding. Go back in time a little bit. There's okay. the Doogee MX free fold. Is that what <laughs> that, you said? Oh God. Doogee MX free I'm fold. I'm not very creative. So we'll get the device oftentimes before it comes out and we'll have it for whether it's a couple days or a week or two weeks, whatever it is. And <laughs> I will, as I use the phone, I have a little Google Keep doc and I just literally, every time I notice something that I want to definitely remember to say, I'll open Google Keep and write that down. And I had just this ongoing list, this running list of like, and usually within the first like two hours, I'm noticing a ton of things. Yeah. And it sort of waterfalls down over like, I get most of my stuff in the first like two days and then it trickles off and I may notice one or two new things and the third day and the fourth day, but by the time I'm at like five days, I have a pretty good idea of yeah. what the deal is. You know is what you're looking device. for. You've been doing this for 10 years. Exactly. Yeah. Smartphones are the bread and butter. Uh, if I'm reviewing something I'm unfamiliar with, this will take longer. Yeah. But with a smartphone, I take it out of the box. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty quick. Um, once this process is over, then I'm, I'm taking all those notes from Google Keep. This is why my life runs through Google. I open Google Docs, <laughs> Google yeah. Drive, and I start to put together the bullet point list and the eventual script, which is what I'm sharing with all the guys who can see it as I'm writing it live. And I'm, I'm basically adding all those bullet points and trying to find an order to them that flows, makes sense. You you watch the final video, it, it tends to sort of look like it's more off the cuff, but it's very obviously planned to yeah. make sure I can fit as much as possible in as short a time as possible. And so that'll turn over in about five days from the time I get the device to the time we're actually done writing and and starting to actually make that video. Now, if this is something like an interview, mm -hmm. there is no, I yeah, can't write the interview different. beforehand. It's like I write all the questions, but then it just goes how it goes, you know? Mm -hmm. If there's an explainer video, it can take anywhere from a day to a week to write it, depending on how complex the topic is. Uh, if it's an autofocus video, there isn't a lot of writing 
because it's it's mainly just driving the car. Yeah, and getting the and feel actually, for it. Yeah, and... getting to know the, the car, which for me, I'm not a car reviewer. This is gonna take longer than yeah. like a phone review. So I'm really trying to get immersed in that car and then writing a lot of things that I found after the fact. So it's a little different for every type of video, mm -hmm. but yeah, hopefully that gives you an idea of, of the general pre-production process. Yeah, I would say a typical week is like Monday, Marquez and I come in, he writes quite a bit. All of us have an idea of what we're doing that week already. Uh, Monday, we plan it out, script gets done. Tuesday, Vin and Brandon comes in. And most of the time, the video will be posted on Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday at like 11 p.m. maybe, but yeah. um, unless it's a really big review, maybe two days of shooting, maybe Vin and Brandon come in Tuesday, Wednesday, but I would say the typical week is Vin and Brandon in around Tuesday, Thursday, and it's plan, shoot, plan, shoot, and then maybe like you and me do a like talking head video on Friday if we're lucky to scoot yeah. a third one in or just plan to get next Monday going. Yeah, and we should probably explain what Vin and Brandon do exactly, yeah. but I think we'll, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back to that. We'll talk about shoot days, Vin and Brandon's role at the studio, and much more. Cool. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Support for this show comes from NetSuite, and that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it, because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. All right, welcome back. So we talked about pre-production, which is the, the writing, the research, the, the putting everything down on paper, theoretical, metaphorical mm -hmm. paper. <laughs> and now we can talk about the actual production itself, which is, for a lot of us, the fun part, the meat of it, most of the work yeah. uh, that goes into everything before the edit. It's the reason there's four people on the team, pretty Exactly, much. Yeah. okay, yeah, so we can start with, so we have uh, me, Marquez, Andrew, mm -hmm. and then Vin and Brandon. Vin and Brandon are, I would say, a power tag team duo mm -hmm. of like cinematography plus set design plus uh, camera work. So when I say cinematography, they're good at being behind the camera when I'm not touching the camera. Yeah. Um, they're of course good with like the stabilizer stuff, the focus, all this other stuff that I can't control most of the time. And then uh, a lot of the stuff we do in post-production, which is the motion graphics and editing. Mm -hmm. But we'll get to that, of course, even later. Yeah, <laughs> but we're talking about episode. we're talking about the shooting, the shooting itself. Okay, uh, I guess we basically separated into a roll, b roll. Is yeah, that make I sense? think that's the easiest way to start. If, if for everyone who doesn't know, a roll is when you're sitting down in front of the camera a design set and you're talking to the camera. Talking to the camera, yeah. Yep. And then we have B-roll, which is more like close-up shots that describe what we're talking about. B-roll um, is the, the overlaid footage. That's usually most of the video, but that mm -hmm. is of the product itself, not of me talking. Yeah. Right. Uh, what do you want to do first, A-roll or B-roll? Let's do B-roll, it's more B -roll. fun. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's where we have a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, so B-roll is, uh, it's a variety of things actually, to be honest. Mm -hmm. We get either, the first person shots. There's a there's a bunch of different shots. I think we almost have our B roll split into two sections after we've already split A and B roll. Yeah, because um, I would I would clip B roll into first person shots, uh -huh. 
third person shots, which are Vin or Brandon behind the camera. With and then robot shots are B-roll. True, yeah. And then, yeah. then there's like the, I guess slider shots are still third person, but I'm not necessarily mm -hmm. in the shot. Like there's a bunch of types of shots you yeah, can get, and, and jib shots. Our like bread and butter is top down. And then the top downs, exactly. Yeah, that's probably the most important shots on the channel, I would say. All right, so top downs are, are yeah, pretty thematic and pretty valuable and important to the mm -hmm. channel and often getting product shots. I always say from the beginning of all of this, the product is the star of the show. Yeah. There is arrow with me talking and usually that's leading you into it and that gets you comfortable, but the product is the star of the show. And my goal is to hopefully get you the best possible, most realistic and entertaining view of already owning and holding yeah, yeah. this piece of like tech. Like real hand, in your hand feel. Exactly. Uh, top-down footage happens to be like a really pretty aesthetic way of doing it. There's a bunch of other channels doing it in different genres. There's other tech channels doing it, mm -hmm. uh, but I really like shooting top-down. Yeah, it's perfect because so much of the products we do are are consumer technology products that you probably have at your desk or in your lap or something like that. So putting something on a table or in a desk, it sounds really simple, but it's uh, yeah, it's way more complicated to make that look nice. Than do you remember when we think? Do you remember when we had uh, that top-down set? <laughs> Trust in me, studio? I remember. I was the one setting it up yeah. every time. So. Okay, so we used to back in. Uh, this is probably three, two or three years ago at this three, point. Yeah, uh, every time we wanted to do top-downs, we would set up the top-down set either at that dream desk over there or at whatever table made sense to do the mm -hmm. top-downs. We'd get the lights set up. We'd get the flagging all done, the diffusion. We'd get it just right. It would take a little while, and then we'd shoot top-downs. Yeah, a like quick nitty gritty of what the setup is, is you have a table, you have a large soft Kino flow light coming at the opposite side of the table from where you would be standing. And then you have four flags, yeah, two above simple. and two on the side. Yeah. It's simple, but it's a lot of stuff to move around this table because True. you want to control everything that's getting into the shot. You want that right. nice soft light coming in from the top. You don't want any overhead lights no reflections. causing reflections. Yeah. The problem with tech is it's so reflective and it's so really true. a pain in the neck so most true. of the time. Um, so that's kind of like what a regular top-down set is, but thank goodness we've upgraded because I think my back was starting to hurt after <laughs> carrying four flags and yeah. a giant light so to what, a table three times a week. So what we did is we we created an entire dedicated top-down set that's permanently set up. Mm -hmm. So it has this super simple setup, but it's all built out like a box and you you have the jib leaning into that box yeah. and the camera goes on it and you're basically press two buttons, set the camera up, plug it in. There's an HDMI monitor and you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, so we shoot top downs that often that it's valuable to have that space dedicated for it. And then we have the the actual surface because mm -hmm. when you're shooting top down, well, the, the surface of the bottom of the table yeah. or whatever you're looking at is gonna be pretty constant. Mm -hmm. If you have the same surface every time, that's fine. But what we do have is about 20 to 30 maybe. More than we need for a sure. Lot, a lot of different uh, surfaces, colors, textures, gradients, different looks for the background of the top down. Mm -hmm. These are all literally, I'm gonna say about four foot by two foot metal sheets yeah. that have dbrands, 3M stickers across the entire yeah. thing. So whether it's a pattern or a texture or the carbon fiber or just a color. Uh -huh. All of that is from Dbrand and they've made these huge metal sheets and shipped them to us. It yeah. came here in like a, the first couple came here in like a 400. It was like a 300 pound package pound that the UPS pallet. guy left outside that yeah. I had to drag in here. That was great. Um, but now we have these all, all around the studio. They're like literally leaning up against the wall if you can picture this and we'll pick one and we'll go, all right, we got a phone in. You know, this phone's got a little blue to it. Let's go uh, Let's go orange background. Mm -hmm. So we got the blue and orange look. Or maybe let's go color matching. Maybe let's go all matte black everything. You've <laughs> seen the looks. You know what we're talking about. Yeah. This is the point where we probably get a little into Easter eggs too. Yeah, well, the whole thing is just like a top-down set seems so simple and, and we're pretty proud of how well they look, um, but we want to change it up because if we just had the same exact, which sometimes we do. We do, if you've noticed, we do white marble. We do... Oh, I have concrete. my favorites for like, sure. Like we have favorites and you'll see them in most videos, but it would be kind of boring if it was the same thing all the time. So we like to spice it up and be as creative as possible, but it sometimes it's hard to be creative with just one background, a product that you don't get to pick and then what, four or five maybe props set up around it. Yeah. Um, and just as a, as a visual for you, we have that top down set on one half of the room 
And then about another third of the room is just full of shelves of props yeah. of things that we're it's willing to mess around with. Mess, yeah. It's kind of a mess right now. I think when we move, we'll try to like clean that up, or, make it like a setup. For sure. Uh, a system, if you will. <laughs> but right now, yeah, we have basically a bunch of props sitting around. And uh, yeah, I, to be honest, I could shoot an entire video over and over again with just top-down b-roll because yeah. i could talk about a device in my hands a smartphone's not that big i can show all the ports i can show all my using the phone i can show everything in top-down mm -hmm. and so i could really easily get carried away and just shoot all top-down b-roll and then it'll just be a roll to straight top-downs mm -hmm. but we don't do that so yeah. that's i guess where we'll we'll cut the top-down talk and talk about other b-roll which is all kinds of other stuff so another very common shot you've probably seen in the videos, especially in like the handheld gadgets and things like that, is like the first person holding the device out in mm -hmm. front of you, handheld sometimes, shot. Uh, I would just call that the first person shot, yeah. where you're sort of feeling like you're holding it yourself. Sometimes it's me just holding the camera against my chest or my chin or it's something like that. terrifying watching <laughs> you do that. It's um, not easy either because no. this is a manual focus camera, so I'm going back and forth between adjusting focus, holding it back out again. Does it look right? A little yeah. off. Adjust the focus again. Hold it back out. All right, it's right. We're all the way wide. Shoot. Get the shot. Finish. All right, now I'll, I'll move to the next angle. Like It's, it's a whole yeah. lot of that. Imagine doing like uh, shoulder lifts with dumbbells, except that if you drop the dumbbell, it's like a... Tens of thousand dollar cameras. So. Yeah, don't don't drop the camera. Is the number <laughs> it, one I goal. like. I'm almost always ready to just dive underneath the camera and let my body absorb the impact. Because um, I'm really scared Marcus <laughs> is going to drop it one of these days. Hopefully, it never comes down to that. Yeah. But I definitely have improved my grip strength over the years <laughs> to hold that camera. Um, but sometimes we also do that with uh, with a pedestal and with a jib and with a tripod. And there's all sorts yeah. of other mounting, basically bracketing solutions to hold the camera yeah uh i really like the jib setup because we have these jibs that are they're called pocket jibs but they're really just barely tall enough to go over my shoulder yeah and point down but like a tripod can't do that tripod's it, not tall it enough. can maybe almost get tall enough but it doesn't have the reach then over top of you so yeah the jib lets it come directly over your shoulder i think you call them first person top downs yep um you'll see a lot of them like in the studio of you'll see marquez's feet and then he like pulls the phone out yeah and you're it's just like you're looking down at your phone like 99% of us do yeah. all day, which is why our posture is terrible and why our necks hurt. And <laughs> but the point of that shot is is it's meant to feel like real life. Like mm -hmm. if you were just looking around and you're like, let me go check out, see what the back of my phone looks like. That's that's something you can do through our video. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, I think, one of my favorite shots of just like real life looking stuff. Yeah, I think our favorite is our way we solve the problem of, this is kind of a fun story, but we wanted to, I think it happened in the Apple Watch video. We think the thing was you were saying if you're walking and your phone's not out and you have something in your hand and you want to check a notification yeah you can just do that with apple watch so we were like all right well we need a walking shot but if you're holding the camera like we were talking about before and walking while trying to focus it on a phone you're you're gonna lose focus it's, it's such a sway. hard shot to get yeah very very hard so we have something called a pedestal which marquez mentioned before right imagine a tripod very very securely attached to three different wheels um yeah and has kind of like this wheel that you can spin the like you're sitting in like a bus driver it's like a bus wheel yeah, yeah. and it's called crab steering because when you turn the bus wheel all of the wheels on the bottom of this pedestal like the tripod uh -huh. all turn the same way yeah. so it's kind of a genius i mean you've seen this in well maybe you haven't but in tv studios they have yeah. gigantic pedestals like this they telescope up and down so you can mm -hmm. get vertical shots but really the fact that it has wheels on it has made it so that we can get moving, rolling shots with it, Yeah, um, which is another term we use. I just realized how many terms we have. There we lot, have like yeah. rolling shots, top downs. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Yeah, this, so this is like a first person rolling shot. Yeah, um, not as common, but definitely fun. We've so. made them pretty common. I'd say almost anything you can hold in your hand has, I'll try it. has gotten I'm this. willing to try it, yeah. Um, but so pretty much what we did is we took this pedestal, which is very heavy duty and the one day we were shooting the Apple Watch, I was just like, Marquez, can you stand on this? And can we just push you? So pretty much he he stood up on the, the legs, anchored his elbows onto the wheel that's underneath the camera, and then put his hand up in front, figured out where focus was. And it wound up being a really cool shot. You were holding Mac's leash. Yeah. And Mac was walking in front. So the shot starts Perfectly. with like a moving hallway. Mac on the leash. The leash leads all the way up into the camera. And then... 
boop, the watch comes up, shows a notification, yeah. shows that you can check it perfectly still. I mean, you need really smooth concrete floors for it because they're That's not exactly- the one thing, yeah. yeah. We but, happen to have polished concrete floors in a lot of places, either in our studio or in this building. Mm -hmm. So we can do that with the with the wheels on that, that little pedestal over there. But uh, if you don't have smooth floors, this sort of rolling shot is that much harder. Yeah, yeah. but it was just a fun little- uh, Fun little story of a way we found out how to get a shot, and I, I definitely know we've done it with some cell phone things. Oh yeah, uh, some shots since then. So it's turned into kind of not a staple, but yeah. a very common thing we do. Here's what I'll say about a lot of these shots: is if I zoom out, there are a ton of tech channels and tech videos out there now, yeah. right? And because we've been shooting in high quality, and so many of our peers have been shooting in such high quality it's become a sort of a staple of the tech community on YouTube. I don't know if you've noticed this, mm. is to be like incredibly well-produced, well-shot, high-quality video. Yeah. Like if you look in, you know, beauty, you'll see some of that. You look in the vlogs, you'll see one or two guys vlogging with a red, but then that's not that common. Yeah. But in tech, pretty much everyone, because we're all gearheads. That's the thing all... is the, the thing that makes it high-quality is tech. Yeah, so a lot of us. For the most part. Right, we get yeah. super into the gear and shooting as high quality as possible. So now, if I'm to differentiate myself to really being the highest quality video I can make and the best entertainment value yeah. in terms of quality, I'm now busy trying to come up with things that are specifically difficult to replicate. Mm -hmm. And so I'm describing them here on this podcast, but they're still very difficult to do and to commonly come up with, even if you have the equipment. I mean, this is, yeah, sometimes these, things we say, here's a shot we want to do. And it's four of us sitting around trying to figure trying out, to how, figure to out how to and, get the and shot. And it'll take a while. And sometimes the shot will take 30 minutes. Sometimes the shot will take an hour. We've had yeah. we've had top-down shots take two hours before for like a five-second opening. And Worth it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it, it lets us learn and be more creative with the stuff we're doing when we've been doing this three or four times a week for the last, you've been doing it for 10 years. I've been here for three, Vin and Brandon have been here for two, and we're still discovering new things even though it's in this very similar yeah. uh, like creative style that hasn't changed that much. Yeah, it's kind of funny. A lot of people that I've talked to that are also either creators or YouTubers, they will have such cookie cutter, like almost factory engineered like ways of just pumping out videos. Mm -hmm. And these are people who might have like a backlog of videos where like they'll hit one button, all the lights turn on, yeah. and they can just do the same thing in the same set and They'll, they'll effortlessly make like three videos. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that seems amazing. I wish I could do that. Uh, and then you think of like all the videos we make and it's like it's different every single time. But we also do have like our structures of like, we, oh, we know have a structure what a top down sure. is. Yeah. We know what a jib shot is and we sort of have the ability to, to put these uh, things together. We're at enough of a structure, like there's definitely enough common things to the point where now whenever we we finish a roll vin just usually says film burn outro <laughs> yeah. and then it's like it it's happens so in consistent. every video yeah yeah so we're consistent but in that consistency we're trying to find ways to be more creative exactly. and, and differentiate ourselves a bit that also i guess brings us nicely yeah, talk to about a different robots yeah <laughs> The robot, again, it came down to like, we went and hung out with Motorized Precision in Portland. We made that dope tech video. Yeah. And the more we thought about it, we were like, if we want to differentiate our videos and make it hard to replicate, this robot shot <laughs> is going to be it. And yeah. we don't try to overuse it and we try to really use it when it's appropriate. But boy, is that fun to, it's fun. to get robot shots. I kind of say she's like a blessing and a curse because if you want to talk about a shot that takes two hours for five seconds, it's almost guaranteed. Yeah, probably mostly our fault, but. Um, so here's the thing about the robot and the robot shot. If you haven't seen the Dope Tech video, go check that out. I'll, it'll be in the show notes. Yeah. Describes what this robot does. But if you can imagine like one of those arms in a car factory that picks the chassis up yeah. and moves it across to the assembly line, it's one of those mm -hmm. with a video head on the end of it and a camera and then attached to an iMac running special software where we can keyframe and control exactly what this robot does play back through moves, visualize things, etc. It's got a couple of articulating joints, and if you can't quite get the shot perfect due to those joints, good luck, <laughs> try it out, try some new things. It might fault out, you need to know how to unfault the robot and reset it. All these things uh, come into play, but at the end of the day, you now can make things and, and move the camera in ways that a tripod can't, 
that a slider can't, that a jib can't, that a human arm can't yeah. with incredible precision and repetition. Repetition is like easily the biggest thing about it. I yeah. feel like um, just being able to to swap out things and have the perfect shot so then later in editing you can fade between whatever yep. you want and just change, it, it changes everything. It makes it feel like we have special effects and you don't even really need to know that much about yeah. effects to be able to pull it off. But uh, those shots are usually, like we said, they take a long time. So we keep them for more special things or or if one of us has a, usually Marquez will be like, this is a this is a big video. I want a robot shot. Everyone try and think of a shot. Yeah. We'll sit down, we'll brainstorm it for like 20 or 30 minutes. Usually we have some like insane idea that everyone loves and we're, it like, always starts we're like, that it's way. not gonna be quite that, but I think this is a good shooting point yeah. For then, even if we get knocked down a couple pegs, we're still what I'd like. I'd like to say above average yeah. shooting. Um. So then, yeah, we usually get in there and slowly set up the move. I think we usually just start with like a surface and the product, get the move set up, see how the arms move into yeah, the space. Realize it's not going to work how ex- <laughs> exactly how we want it. Uh-huh. Tone it down a little bit. Still be happy with it. Start setting up some objects. Start making a scene, and then probably the biggest pain in the neck or the hardest part is lighting right there's a couple different restrictions that you actually wouldn't maybe think of if you didn't have the robot that you do have to think about when you have it one of them is the robot's not perfectly smooth all the time so there are certain angles where you'll start to move past a certain 90 degree space and the arm will have to switch joint like locations real quick. Yeah, essentially one part of the joint has to do like a full 180. And even though the camera is still facing the same way, when it does the 180, it shakes. Yeah, imagine turning your hand from palm up to palm down and keep going all the way to the other side. When the robot arm has to twist like that, it can shake. So we typically want to avoid shake. Yeah. So that's number one. Two, the robot has a maximum speed. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a three foot arm and that usually hasn't been a problem. We or maybe eyeing the bigger version, but (laughs) there is a maximum, I think it's three meters per second, which is nine feet per second speed. We have done a shot of following a phone in free fall as the camera pop-up retracts back into the phone. And that was nearly 9.8 meters per second squared, which is the speed of gravity. And it still didn't even keep up with the phone, right? Right, yeah. It's tough to, you if you go over that speed limit, it will not break the robot, but it'll fault the robot and it'll stop halfway uh-huh. through. Hey, our motors can't go that fast. Reset me and we'll do that. So that's another limit of the robot. And a third limit is, yeah, lighting. When you're moving a camera around uh, with this arm attached to it, you have to figure out where to put the lights and sort of hang them in there so that you're yeah. not obstructing the actual Yeah, I didn't even moving. think of it like that. So like, we'll usually start in the starting shot and then it's like, okay, flag everything for this. And then that'll take two or three flags because like we said before, tech is very shiny and reflective. Um, Then you'll let it move to the last shot without looking at the screen and then you'll flag for that. Then you'll let it move to make sure it's not slamming like flags over in the process. I mean, we've done some, we've had it hit tables. We've knocked whole tables over (laughs) with brand new unreleased phones on it. Um, we've, We've hit a couple things with it. Not proud of it, but haven't broken anything with it. Yeah, when nothing gets in its way. Um, If you're in the way of the robot arm, you're toast. It's not stopping for you. So we do have an emergency switch, which we've used many times for it. But (laughs) the problem is, is all right, so you lit everything and flagged everything for the first position. You've lit everything and flagged everything for the second position. Now you need to watch it through slow because every single position in between between that can potentially bring a new reflection. Exactly. Yeah, it usually looks like we're like, making a a fort a like fort a, a out of, pillow fort yeah, yeah or a blanket fort eventually that's just what the studio is going to be we're going to paint all the walls black and just have like a, a pillow fort of flags uh-huh. in there um but yeah i guess when we say the other thing is we'll mention like okay we have this great idea we'll literally plan it on the whiteboard like all right yeah. here's here's a here's b here's how it moves between them that could be cool right that's dramatic we go real close to the screen here and then twist it and so we'll have this great idea we'll head over to there to the robot and we'll start to put those keyframes in and we'll realize, oh, uh, the rails are a little too low, so we can't get that mm-hmm. close. All right. Oh, the joint is like doing a weird twist at this angle. And no matter how we do it, it's going to have to do that twist. So we, get, we can't do this twist here. So maybe we'll keep it flat through this plane. 
oh, it's doing, and by the time we get through all these things yeah. that we have to make sure to account for, oh, these reflections are a little weird over here. Oh, we wanna make sure we shoot a little tighter to avoid getting the background in. All these things, it'll kind of totally change the shot, mm -hmm. and it'll still be pretty cool. Like I there's mean, a lot of shots. You some of the do. coolest shots we've made were not the original idea, and they wound out amazing. I think oh, yeah. the one plus was that one plus six pro with the two quasars on each the side and pro. the probe lens. Yeah, like that was supposed to be completely different. I think the probe lens was supposed to like just come over the screen and and keep the the really small focus over all the buttons and like yeah. because the display was beautiful. Right. It didn't happen at all. Uh, it, we, I think we wound up somehow pushing the phone, rotating the phone up on something, and it was completely different, but I think it's one of the coolest shots we've ever done with yeah. the robot. Yeah, and I could walk through every piece of that because we'd realized, okay, if we're doing this slow-mo shot with the probe lens, the probe lens is a foot and a half long, and every little shake with the robot got magnified, yeah. and so the tip of the probe lens would literally be wobbling. So we're like, all right, we can't do this crazy thing with the robot. So we slowed down, minimized the robot move, and put the phone itself on a motorized slider head. We basically taped it to it, and then had that smoothly move the phone. Um, also, a phone screen is not very bright, so at a, an F8 or F11 at the end of a probe lens, we had to shut all the lights off so yeah. you could actually see the phone. So we wanted to do that in bright lighting, but then you couldn't see the phone screen. Turned all the lights off, you know, all these things you don't think of when you're trying to make shots mm -hmm. like this, but you still end up with some then pretty I, cool stuff. I think we just brought the quasars in to try and light up the side of the phone with the same color of the phone, but right. just wound, really it like, oh, looked like cool. some really cool like light speeds, uh, yeah. Star Wars action kind of stuff like that. and. It wound up amazing. So the robot has definitely opened up our creativity yeah. for sure. It's probably, it's made us think we're more creative than we really <laughs> are. Um, we go a little overboard with some of them sometimes, but it always winds up coming down and being a shot that's still like, every time we do the robot, there are comments on Twitter and in the video that are like, oh my God, that shot at it's 10 fun. seconds in or something is yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's well worth it. Yeah, and to top it all off, it's all controlled by an Xbox controller. <laughs> That's the maybe the most fun part is I've memorized yeah, right? every button on the controller and what it does to the robot as we're designing it. Um, so that's a little little quirk, a little tidbit, and it's fun. But yeah, I think that's that's another tool in B-roll when it comes down to it is just like anyone can do B-roll, but if we can make our stuff incredibly fun, creative, and difficult to replicate, then that's a win for that shot. I think yeah. that's what makes it uh, a unique challenge. For sure. So, I that, that is that covers B-roll pretty well, I think, yeah. right? Do you want to hop into A-roll? I guess, yeah, A-roll would A -roll be- A-roll's much simpler, I yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, A-roll, yeah. okay. Me talking to a camera, how interesting could it possibly be? I mean, mm -hmm. you, you sort of pick the set in general, so we have a lot of different sets and angles in here to a point where maybe it feels like you've seen every angle in here. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember when I was shooting A-roll in my college apartment, um, man, you've, you pretty much have seen every angle of that room because yeah. I tried to mix up the A-roll. And so I mean, what is it? My bed behind me, my desk behind me, the I'd window. I've been in that room before. You could scoot off the edge of the bed and touch your desk with your yeah. foot if you wanted to. So there was not a lot of room. Not a lot of room <laughs> to work with, but we, we have much more room in here and many more angles. And then what we'll do is basically a, a once over of set design. Like, mm -hmm. okay, we're doing a video about photography. Let's start to work in some themes of, of photograph photography and elements of that yeah. into either the table next to me or the background or the shirt I'm wearing or any of the other stuff around it. And uh, that'll that'll make that video much more interesting. Yeah, this is again where Vin and Brandon have come in and just like oh, completely yeah. taken this channel to another level Super and, and stuff like that. Like, I mean, we used to have nice A-roll sets before they came in, but they've come in with just like, especially lighting. I feel like they've yeah. just knocked lighting out of the park Ours was always just like, here's a soft box on you, so you're lit well. They've started bringing in like the Westcott Flex and they've been using Edison bulbs in there and all these different lightings to make some part of the scene warm and part of the scene like yeah. lit up. We recently got the this aperture spotlight that has like a fake window looking oh, shadow on it and they do amazing things with that. So like they've brought, like you said, we've used every aspect of every one of these studios and everyone's seen it, but Vin and Brandon go into that and be like, okay, well, I'm gonna change it. So you may have seen this angle, but now everything in the background is gonna be different. Yeah. New shelves, different props on the shelves, lighting here, different bokeh, like uh, ever since we got the, what's the, sorry, the, the oh, old the Helios? lens. The yeah. Helios lens. Yeah. Vin bought all these like 
uh, dangling lights in the background that made this incredible bokeh, and we've yep. been using that like crazy. I think Vin's the one who introduced us to quasar tubes. Love the quasar tubes. So like, they've just come and and they've made the sets fun. And and like you said before, the product is the what we we really want you to see. A roll is necessary, and in order to make A roll fun, you have to make a, the set fun. Yeah, like you're gonna be talking. People don't need to be watching your mouth to know exactly what <laughs> yeah. you're saying about. They can enjoy the set that's creative. And since we've switched the two to one, also like Get got that way more room. Look. Yeah. Um, fun well, fact: I think most of the A roll, I think ninety plus percent of the A roll shots of me talking to the camera are shot with the Sigma twenty four to thirty five. Yeah. And that's a f2 lens it's a cine lens so it's t2.0 and it's a nice wide angle shallow depth of field great look it's a little bit zoom so if i want to like go punch into 28 or 30 i can do yeah. that depending on what the set looks like but that's just a tidbit is we typically go about 24 mil actually speaking on that and this is going to go into editing a little bit but we're not going to talk about editing too much here so you shoot fairly wide and is a part of that, not just because of the look, but a way you edit as well as with a jump cut, you usually punch in on that. Do you, a little bit of both. I think that's something that like people don't really notice, but is a good way to to cut and take away from like if you mess a lineup and you're adding a new or to add emphasis or something like that. Yes. So there's a couple reasons why I shoot specifically wide angle, shallow depth of field the way I do. One is when I started, I needed to be close enough to the camera to focus on myself and hit the record button. <laughs> so like so physically reach? If I had a 50 mil, I physically could not turn the camera on and focus on myself. That's, I, I hate bringing a story into a story that's already kind of off topic, but I remember when you first texted me kind of being like, I'm thinking of hiring someone, like would you be interested, blah, blah, blah. I think like the next day you sent me a text of you reaching across the dream desk to try and focus the camera and tough, you're like, man. yeah, we definitely need yeah, that. Yeah, I, I can't be behind the camera and in <laughs> front of it. Um, yeah, so that's originally how it started. And and another benefit of that is it's a very personal look. When yeah. you're when you're way out at with like, it still looks really cool. When you're at like a 60 or a 55, the Helios is I think a 58 millimeter lens. Okay. It's fun to shoot with those lenses, but when you compress the field of view like that, you do feel like you're further away from me. Okay. And you huh. know, you do get that blurrier background and you can mess with the bokeh and all those other things are fun. But yeah, compressing the field of view does make it feel a little bit less personal. I never really thought about it like that. Yeah, That's... a little bit more like a broadcast or like, you know, looking into a window or something like okay. that. So I think when you're closer to me and it's wide angle, and you feel closer to me, it's because you are. You feel like you're sitting right across from me. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's been like a main reason. And then, yeah, the other thing, like you said, is we shoot 8K. And so if I'm wide and I have my 24 mil and there's more in the frame than I really need, I can punch in and not really lose any quality in a yeah. 4K timeline if I want to get closer to my face or closer to the thing I'm holding or, or a punch in for emphasis or something mm -hmm. like that. A lot of that also comes from shooting high res wide. So yeah. all of that is why <laughs> that Sigma is probably my most used lens ever. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think A-roll is also, we talked about the background being fun. Yeah. Um, probably where we do the most Easter eggs. That's gotta be. I mean, it's either top downs or A-roll. Probably. Top downs have to be like so subtle because it's right there. I think the most, That's we probably true. have mentioned this. I think the most subtle one we ever did is we added, I don't know if it was in the HomePod video or we, a video after that, we used the oh board that the HomePod yes. stained. Do you, I do remember that. If you yeah. don't, re yeah. If you don't remember it, if you're listening right now, um, HomePod, when it originally came out, if you left it on like a wood countertop, it left this like white circle so on specific. the table. And so specific. Yeah. Um, so we we did that. It had we just had it on this like piece of wood that we use for a uh, top down like backdrop, and it left the it white left ring it. stain. So yeah. we used it like for a while, just randomly, and see if anyone noticed. Little I don't think they out. did. Nobody but, noticed. <laughs> but when it comes to a roll, like we have all the room in the world, especially if your back is to like the whole studio. There's so much room back there for things we can do. And I think it's a little more subtle too because it's now blurred out in the background. Yeah. So if you're in a top down and you were just looking at the phone in my hand or whatever else is above the background, the background stuff, it's there, but it's really obvious. Yeah. Like whatever's there behind mm -hmm. you. Meanwhile, if you have a, a shot where I'm sitting here in the studio, blurred out 15 feet behind me mm -hmm. could be like the Mac Pro as a trash can. Or some other that, like random. That's still my favorite. Uh, we've definitely mentioned it, but yeah. Are there any other Easter eggs you're proud of, or like that you want to call out that haven't been brought right. up before? So let's see. My, like I said, my favorite one was when we were. So you used to shoot in front of this gear cabinet all the time, and yep. you have the trash can down there. So one day we were just messing around, and 
I think we said, let's put the trash can Mac Pro inside the trash can. Mm-hmm. And then I went to empty your trash can out to do it. And I was like, wait a minute. And I just took all the paper from it and just put it inside the trash, the, the, Mac, the Pro. Mac Pro to look like a trash can. And people lost it. I don't know if there are even comments about what that video is about <laughs> in that one. Everyone looked back they there. They loved it. Um, that was a good one. You know if uh, like not Johnny Ive or Como Code on Twitter are, are <laughs> tweeting about something that's funny, you know you did a good job. For sure. Um, but other than that, we have these things called Bear Bricks. Oh yeah. They're pretty popular. I'd never known what the name was, but we have these two little white bears that their arms and legs can kind of contort to how you want it and they kind of look like Daft Punk. I have an absolute blast hiding them in scenes sometimes. It's not in all of them, oh, so yeah. don't look all over the place, but I think the most recent one I had it kind of like peeking up from behind a throw pillow on the couch and yeah. I've hooked them up so they're like hanging from ledges in the background. I, that was my like, favorite. Yeah, it's like one of them was reaching over and holding the other one's hand so yeah. it like wouldn't fall. So I just have fun doing s- stuff like that. We've done Linus's. We made the Linus sandals with the off-white tag that we've thrown in the background Legend. a couple times. Classics. And uh, anything that you come to mind? We I did mean, the skeleton for a while. The skeleton too. around Halloween sort of made its debut and then also randomly showed up in the background of a couple of videos. <laughs> I think that was a fun one. I think really they all just sort of end up slowly starting to feel like characters in yeah, like right. a continuing, a recurring series. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just sitting in the background of some A-roll in one video, you're like, oh, I've seen that before. And then you see it in the next yeah. video doing something different. And you're like, okay, it's got a little personality. Right. We all throw right. Bixby speaker out there all the oh, time. Yeah. Um, our fake one. If you haven't seen that April Fool's video, definitely should. I'll, I'll yeah. definitely put that in the show notes. That's one thing that I'm very proud of on this channel. That's yeah. probably been one of my favorite videos we've Bixby made. Bixby speaker. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that covers A-Roll. Yeah. If, we, if we're going that deep into the stupid stuff we do in the background of A-Roll, <laughs> I think we're pretty done with we've, it. We've covered that. Well, I guess let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk to the audience questions from Twitter. Cool. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI power gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, welcome back. So we asked on Twitter what you guys wanted to know about the process, about making videos. And we got, we got a bunch of questions from you guys on the Waveform Twitter. And so we'll go through these. I'm sure we've answered a lot of them in our last yeah, 45 minutes so. of ranting, but let's, uh, let's see what people want to know. So uh, Miguel at the top here says, how many, I think these are going to be interesting questions, actually, a lot of good ones. Okay. How many videos have you given up on and never finished? That's an uh, interesting question. I guess it's, I don't think it's very many. It's not very many. I, it matters, like, at what point do you count it being a video? Yeah. There's plenty of things we've written on the whiteboard as, like, good ideas that have never come to fruition. Um, some of them have turned into podcast episodes. Sure. And I think now that we have it's one of the reasons we decided to do the podcast also like yeah here's stuff we wanted to talk about that a lot we didn't of stuff get on the chance. cutting room floor yeah i would say in the idea forum miguel many many videos have been axed but typically once we start shooting mm -hmm. it ends up going to completion and, and being a final project i think maybe three videos in the last year we started shooting and then didn't finish the i can video. only for sure think of one it was state of 4k 2019 that's one we shot the first half i think there's a little bit of tesla stuff we started shooting but then stopped because okay. i was gonna it got cold but we were gonna do a video on uh i think this the state of electric vehicles was gonna be a video yep, okay that turned into that a was podcast. one yeah, yeah that yeah. turned to the podcast and then yeah there's maybe one or two others but typically much. once we start shooting then it goes all yeah and it kind of goes to what we said before like if the cameras are turning on most likely we have a script for it already so right. unless like something huge comes out, that video is most likely getting made. Yeah. Oh, another one from Miguel. Okay. <laughs> how many? Uh, how much of the video in minutes do you start and end with in making a video? What percentage of the total footage makes it into the final video? So typically, uh, videos around 10 minutes long. Yeah. Um, the A-roll, when I'm talking to camera and basically giving most of the audio that is for that video, will typically be between 20 and 45 minutes long which for i think video. for a 10 minute video for a roll you mean yeah yeah i think a lot of that i'd say like 25 percent of that is like a line going wrong or you messing something up and then like 50 to 75 percent of that is some random noise someone yep. slamming a door an elevator opening um yeah. someone on a phone call right outside so I like i cannot wait to minimize that percentage yeah, i think that's a big part you know what's funny too is um when you sit down to edit we always have this uh like question that goes around the studio here is, A-roll took this long, how long do we all think the video is gonna be? Right. And we try and guess it to the second. I think- I'm always wrong. I think we've, everyone's won at least once. Right, you know, you win, to the this, second. You win this competition if you guess to the second how long the video is gonna be. Yeah. Uh, I am typically very, uh, I say optimistic when I think of videos being like 12 minutes long and they turn out like 11 minutes long. Yeah. But uh, a lot of us will think like, yeah, it'll be seven and then it'll be like 12 and a half. Mm -hmm. So it's almost always over. Yeah, it's almost always over. Isaac asks, what's your least favorite thing about editing? Hearing my own voice. Really? Yeah. And you would, th <laughs> you would think this I was something after about 10 years that you would get used to. This is year 11. You don't. I don't like hearing that since I edit all the podcast stuff now and I, yeah. I it's been so new to me like hearing my own voice but you will never get used to hearing a recording of your own voice. At first I I do remember now you've said that and I didn't believe you when you first told me and the way you kind of proved it to me is so Marquez mostly edits with his studio speakers out loud. Mm -hmm. Um so many times he's playing an editing clip and I think he's talking to me and I turn turn to my desk and look at him thinking he's like trying to converse with me and he's not and when i say that to him he goes oh like no point of me ever thinks i'm talking to you because the sound sounds so much different coming out of my computer than it yeah. does to me so you're 10 years into this now and there's like this such a distinct yeah cut between your voice and the computer voice yep. it's just confusing me <laughs> and it's uh it's the, I mean, yeah, I do. I edit from the, the Yamaha HS8s have been my speakers of choice. They're like my reference for everything and have been for like five, six years now. Mm -hmm. So like that's, that's my go-to. And yeah, it sounds different coming out of the speakers than out of my own face. So yeah. for sure, that's, that's my That's toughest. the most, all right. Yeah. Good answer. Oh yeah. Okay. Nathan wants to know, what's your workflow like on the go? Any advice for traveling light and still producing high quality content? 
Here's here's Travel my advice, and it's the it's. I'm sorry in advance, Nathan. This is not actually good advice. No. But my best practice for me has been avoid that at all costs, <laughs> and bring everything back to the studio and produce it here where okay. I'm comfortable and there calibrated. Um, another thing a lot of people like to do when you go out to an event, whether it's a Samsung event or an Apple event, and they go out to the show floor, they all shoot their audio out there and talk to the camera while it's incredibly loud and just just not a friendly shooting environment. Mm -hmm. And I have never to this day tried, actually I have done that at CES, but I really try to avoid ever shooting any audio out there. I do all my video, all my B-roll out there, and then I come back to the hotel and shoot my A-roll yeah. and all my audio. So as far as traveling light and producing high quality content, <laughs> Uh, I I try to bring a studio to the hotel. Yeah, I mean, we definitely there. do that. I mean, there's sometimes where if there's an embargo on the video, like you said, you'll just not bring editing stuff and wait to come back here and yep. finish the edits. Yep. Um, that's the lightest we travel, and that still is very heavy. Um, we don't travel light, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. So we yeah. don't have any way to help you. Sorry about the lack of advice. Yeah. <laughs> Richard wants to know who's responsible for motion design, like motion graphics, intro graphics. So there's a couple of different answers for that, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's typically a couple different. So we have in video graphics, uh, the bookend graphics you've seen, the intro and the outro that you're probably asking about. Uh, we have an animator, his name is Michael, and he's worked with us for years on multiple years of intros. Yeah. We typically have a new one every year, and we have a different themed one for the behind the scenes videos and the explained yeah, videos and, and dope tech, and, autofocus. Yeah. He's made all of those and he's super talented. Incredible, yeah. And then we have uh, Brandon and Vin who have done in video animations for some some things like adding text or adding you know trackers of like pointing out things in videos yeah, or, or specs and, specs and, and things Brandon's like that. Brandon's done some cool stuff. I think one of the coolest things Brandon did was the intro to the ROG phone too where we did a robot shot and he, oh, the whole yeah. thing was supposed to be this whiteboard of ideas creating the ROG phone too. And he added all these kind of like- Floating elements. Yeah, like if yeah. you were, oh, what's that meme where the guy's like looking up and thinking and there's a million math problems in the his head? The like, galaxy brain, like, whatever Something stuff. like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that's what it kind of replicated. And Yeah, no, that was, those are a lot of fun. So we have a, a little bit of a combination of those two things. Yeah. So Michael asks, how is your footage organized and will you ever delete any of it? Michael. Every video project we've made is typically somewhere between 600 and 1200 gigs. Uh, <laughs> I delete everything. Yeah. Everything this that's not, not the, the finished don't, foot file. Don't take advice. This whole ask <laughs> a like Q&A at the end is don't do what we don't do. Don't do what we do. But it's true. Like every time I need to go back, and I think Dave Tudia said this too, uh, this has become a habit because I, I only have an 80 terabyte like RAID array. So mm -hmm. if I, you only. know, I mean, it's 80 terabytes, yeah. but if I went back through this last year of videos, that's 100 terabytes yeah. of footage. I can't keep it all. But really, I find that when I go back and need footage for an old project, I'm just taking a shot from the original file that was exported already. Mm -hmm. So I just keep the final file for every video and the thumbnail. And if there's one or two like special magic moments, I have the Elon interview footage, I have the Bill Gates interview footage, but I really don't keep footage like of a, of a B-roll of a phone or extra A-roll. I don't yeah. keep that stuff. Uh, here's one. Uh, okay. Any online courses which provide which prove to be very helpful in your video editing? Great question. Um, yeah, a lot of people can take online courses to learn video editing. I am I am self taught. Yeah. So I learned in let's see, my first ever video editor was Windows Movie Maker, and then I moved to Camtasia Studio. Nice. And then I went from that, which was kind of like ScreenFlow, it was a screen recorder yeah, yeah. editor. I went from that to Adobe Premiere. And I went from that to Final Cut Pro. Uh, at no point during any of this did I ever take any classes in it. I took one college class because they had it yeah. called Motion Graphics. There's okay. not that many creative classes at Stevens, but mm -hmm. they had that. I took it. I learned some After Effects there, but uh, I wouldn't be the best to answer this one. Yeah, so I've kind of been... So I don't really edit here at all. It's been a long time since I've really edited much. Um, but as someone who considers himself like semi above average at photoshop and video editing like i consider them both pretty simple or not pretty simple pretty similar even though one's video one's photo but like they're complex programs with a million different things you can do and a million ways you can do everything yeah to me i would always find something i knew i wanted to do and then look up a youtube video or something on how to do that or a guide online i know photoshop right. was just like 
I want to make this text on fire, search like fire text, how to make fire text and then learn that. And through the process of learning that one thing, now you have a skill for later on. Right. Yeah. I say I'm self-taught, but that's really how I learned everything I wanted to do is Mm -hmm. like, there's no way I can learn everything that Premiere or Final Cut Pro does. So this whole process is me going like, how do I make this do this? Then I'll go through and literally watch YouTube tutorials. Yeah. Yeah. Find something you want to replicate. And this is what you should, if you're like new to editing or new to creating something like it's it's not always, don't think of everything you're doing as copying somebody else. Like you can take inspiration from somebody and especially if you're in the learning process of it, find a video you thought was great and try and replicate that video and and see how they did it, see how hard it is. And then when you know how to do that, you can start adding your styles to that and make it yeah, derivative. make it your own, but you're learning so much in the process of doing that. Um, um, yeah. I actually did take some classes in college too, but I learned so much by myself that at that point it was a little more of a, they helped with some timing, I guess. I, I was definitely always a little yeah. off on my timing. So having a professional editor, just take a look at it. But for the most part, I wouldn't sign up for any specific classes. Just know what you want to do. There's millions of resources on the internet for you to figure out how to yeah. do that. It's like learning a language. You wouldn't start at A in the dictionary and just read everything. Mm-hmm. You need to know like what you want to communicate yeah. and then figure out the words that make sense from there. Yeah, exactly. Is that a good, is that a good analogy? That's pretty solid i was nice. i'm much better at editing than i am a second language though <laughs> fair oh i got a there's a pretty simple question tommy wants to know do you primarily use voiceovers or is all of your spoken audio from the primary video track uh it is typically pretty much all from the primary video track we have the shotgun the sennheiser mkh416 it's two feet from my face that microphone sounds like like real life like that's it's an incredible insane. mic so uh, yeah, we basically take everything from that. And if we need to inject something later, I will literally take that shotgun out again, set it up two feet from my face again in the same environment and fill in that audio the same way. Yeah, I'd say 99% of the stuff is from A-Roll. And then the only time you ever do a voiceover is when you're that far through the edit. A-Roll set's broken down and you need to just add yeah. something quick. Yeah. Oh, uh, Dean wants to know what titles or graphics or fonts do you use and your Final Cut Pro plugins? I have only right now only one suite of plugins and that's from the motion vfx team and i have about 40 of them and they're all incredible and i really like the din font it's called din pro and there's maybe eight nine versions of it din pro medium din pro condensed din pro light italic all that stuff din if you want to check them out it is paid i paid about 100 bucks for that font but that is what i use for like everything now i can't tell you how many times i've made a thumbnail or something for Twitter for the merch or something like that. And he'll be like, yeah, it looks really good. J- just change that font to Can DIN. we use the DIN yeah, font? Can we yeah. use DIN instead? Yep. I think I have a fun one to to wrap all of this up. It's okay. it's part of our workflow, but not like a technical part. Louie wants to know, what do you do during rendering? <laughs> well, what's funny actually is rendering used to take a lot longer than yeah. it does. Uh, when I, a couple years ago, was actually editing everything on a MacBook Pro, I would have hours to go mm-hmm. bleep off and do whatever when I was <laughs> rendering a video. Then I went to the iMac Pro and it was like, maybe we can play a game of Rocket League and then Yeah, it's we over. got really into Rocket League for a while. Yeah, and that would be um, like 10, 15 minutes before it was depending. done. Uh, some, we had quite a few games during True. some videos. but Some would take longer. But then now the Mac Pro will finish a 4K render in like six minutes. Yeah. So what do I do on exporting? I'm usually thinking about the thumbnail, making that. Yeah, uh, we do to write the tags. A yeah, uh, a lot of times the final title and thumbnail don't come until the video is finished. In fact, that's usually the case. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're thinking about. Now that we've finished the video, watched it once over on the timeline, hit the export button. All right, what are we thinking for title and thumbnail? Because we have our working title, but let's finalize that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so maybe that's a boring answer, but we used to have more yeah. fun stuff. I mean, other than that, if we, if we do title and thumbnail and all that pretty quickly if mac is here we play with mac for a while exactly. we'll take stupid pictures with mac um, yeah he's usually a pretty good distraction towards the end of the day and he's, he's just sport. excited to go home and eat dinner so he's ready to play yeah cool awesome well, i think hopefully that's that, our workflow yeah. yeah hopefully that answers uh questions about the process there's a thousand more things we could talk about maybe we'll end up coming back to this in a future episode but um for anyone who's curious or for anyone who maybe is starting their own channel or working on their own sort of craft this can uh, be of assistance or maybe it's just a fun insight into what we do. So that's been it. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys later.
Waveform is brought to you in part with Studio 71, and our intro-outro music is created by Cameron Barlow. <laughs>